You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Comes into the corner for Marchand, who's hammered by Wes McCauley, the referee. Oh! Automatic strike three called with the bases loaded in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. This is baseball in 2023. No, 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 no. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Monday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It's a big week, folks. It's trade deadline week. What better way to get you started than an ad about Kintech? We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I need to throw some acronyms at you folks. Ready? The 2023 RBC JCC Sports Dinner is coming up on March 28th. You can be a part of the dinner by entering the 50-50 draw and the Duick Cadillac raffle. That's on now. WTF. <laughs> Visit Sports Dinner. Shut up. <laughs> Visit SportsDinnerRaffle.com for tickets. This year's guest speaker, brought to you by ZLC, there's another acronym for you, is Gronk. Rob Gronk Gronkowski. For full event info, go to JCCSportsDinner.com. Okay, we got through it. We're good. Uh, we, it is trade deadline week. Uh, we have a huge show ahead, okay? Just to be clear, it's going to be a fun week. And on Friday, on trade deadline day, we're doing not one, not two, not three, but four hours of uninterrupted Halboro. For today, uh, we're going to start our guest list at 6.30. Max Hers, not to be confused with Minimum Hers, is going to join us here. Uh, Nashville Predators pre, post, and intermission host. What a big weekend for the Nashville Predators. Talk about a sea change on the ice and in the front office. Barry Trotz is the general manager now. David Poyle is out, so we'll talk to Max about that at 6.30, including some of the big trades that they pulled over the weekend. 7 o'clock, Mike Heike is going to join us. He is the senior staff writer for the Dallas Stars. Dallas made a move over the weekend. They're first in the West. And, oh, by the way, they host your Vancouver Canucks tonight, 5.30 from Dallas. Uh, 7.30, Dan Milstein's going to join the program. Hockey agent extraordinaire. I have in brackets here. Also, Canucks assistant general manager. <laughs> Dan Milstein's going to join us at 7.30. Another one of his clients. I've lost track of how many have come through Vancouver now. But another one of his clients, former New York Ranger Vitaly Kravtsov, was traded to the Canucks over the weekend. You know what I actually Googled over the weekend? I was like, Nikita Trampkin agent. Was that Milstein? But it wasn't. That was Todd Diamond. It was Todd Diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamond Dan Milstein right. and Todd Diamond. I get them confused. Two totally different people. Mostly because I made up the Diamond Dan Milstein nickname mm-hmm. and no one else uses it. So Dan Milstein has got uh, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, He's got uh, Klamovich, too, down yep. in the AHL. Yep. And, and now Kravtsov. And now Kravtsov. Right. He is personally responsible for, I think, a quarter of the Canucks roster. Right. Okay. Give or take. Uh, so He's set- got Kucherov, too, so maybe uh, maybe Kuch-, Kuch will be coming to Vancouver at the deadline. Keep bringing you never him. know. Keep bringing him never over. Uh, Dan Milstein, 730, 8 o'clock. Ian McIntyre from SportsCenter is going to join us. So it's a big Canucks show, big hockey show, period. Uh, Canucks stars reminder 
5.30 tonight from Dallas. The Canucks are in the middle of some of the worst scheduling I've ever seen in NHL history. The quick one-game jaunt to Dallas before they come back for another game. Uh, speaking of coming back for another game, A-Dog, good morning to you, my friend. Good morning. Uh, tell the listeners about the What We Learn giveaway for tickets. Uh, we're giving away one pair of tickets today to see the Canucks Wild game on Thursday, so... You know the drill, texting your best what we learn, hashtag WWL, and a ticket emoji. Beautiful. Okay, that is what's happening on the program. we got a lot to get into. Let's tell everybody, Laddie, what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? Okay, we're going to begin with something that is unfolding right in front of our very eyes. We know it's trade deadline week. We know there's a lot of craziness out there. We know that sometimes even the most level-headed reporters like Bruff and I can sometimes dive deep trying to find a story. But this is not diving deep. This is just out there for everyone to consume, and we will pass it along to you, the listener. Uh, There is a report out there that JT Miller is going to be a scratch tonight in Dallas. Okay, who is reporting this? How do, can you can you give the exact wording on the report? Is that is that possible to do? I Beca- can because indeed. we ne- let, let's just be very literal in how this all came down about JT Miller. Yeah. Openness. Okay. Uh there's a reporter, a columnist at the Athletic by the name of Shana Goldman. She's been on our station before as a matter of fact. Right. Okay. Does a lot of Rangers coverage, does a lot of analytics work. She's also over the last little bit uh, been the first on the scene, and by scene I mean Twitter, with a lot of uh, breaking details about trades that have gone down, including that very convoluted package that the Sharks and the Devils had in the Timo Meyer trade, okay? So that's out there. Uh, she tweeted out last night, this is the direct quote, no fake news here, I'm reading right from Twitter, quote, one name emerging as a potential deadline move over the last day or so is JT Miller. Now at first blush, okay. We've heard this before. I don't know if we've ever talked about JT Miller trade talks on 650 before. Feels like the first time. Yeah. But she then went on to add the Canucks play in Dallas tomorrow. That's accurate. Will we spot- <laughs> she, na- she, she nailed that. She nailed Honestly, I, I think she's credible. I think so, too. Will we spot another player join the list of scratches for trade-related reasons? Now, not long after... Rick Dollywall, he of the Donnie and Dolly show on Czech TV. This was about 10 minutes ago, actually. This is, this so w- what, what Shana tweeted came last night, and then Rick came in this morning with this. As of now, Rick's hearing that JT Miller has an injury and may not play tonight. Hmm. As of now, not hearing it's trade-related. He used as of now twice. As of now. What about now, Rick? Now. What about five minutes from now, Rick? Or ten. Anyway. So, so it, 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 is, it is very interesting, obviously, and also, let's be honest, kind of hilarious that this is the way trade deadline week is starting um, the Sunday before trade deadline. And trade deadline, by the way, March 3rd, that's Friday. Um, there's a report that JT Miller's name is out there and that he may not play tonight in Dallas, and everyone's like, what? And then Rick comes in and says, JT Miller has an injury and may not play tonight. And he's hearing 
and he's not hearing it's trade-related. So J.T. Miller played the full game against the Boston Bruins. He played. He didn't play as much as he normally has been playing the last couple of games, but I think that's because it didn't go to overtime. Sure. Um, and I think he played like 18 or 19 minutes. Look, I just, don't. I don't remember seeing. I know he blocked some shots recently, um, but a lot of players block shots. Um, I I never remember hearing that JT Miller was hurt. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty for any comments or questions. Speaking of block shots, did you see that Mark Giordano became the NHL's all time leader in block shots? Now the funny part was was on the highlight pack they showed the block shot. And it was the most innocuous, meaningless block shot. I ever. thought you were going to say they showed every single no. one. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> it was a twenty-minute compilation. Kinda, he just going, oh, kicked God. out his skate a little bit and redirected his <laughs> a pocket. They're like, and there it is, folks. What about twenty minutes of Mike Giordano screaming? Then, yeah. he, then he did the Ricky Henderson. I am the greatest of all time. They stopped the game. <laughs> uh, Daniel and Campbell River. Texan, don't you dare toy with our emotions this early on a Monday morning. Don't you dare. Hey. Don't shoot the messenger. We're just passing. I read it verbatim from Twitter. Okay? We are quite literally the messenger here. I know I use literally wrong a lot, but we are literally the messengers. It's out there, folks. And let's be honest. Given the amount of bloviating that Jason and I have done about the lack of tradable assets on mm. this team, JT Miller's one of them. Can, can we I- also can we also acknowledge, I actually want to, this is a good time to do this because I, I wanted to do this um, just to, I, I feel like we're getting distracted a lot by the tank for Connor Bedard or, you know, just just some of the storylines that um, have emerged in the last little bit with Arthur Seeloff, some of the trades that have happened with, with, with the Canucks. Now, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk here. If I come across like it, so be it. Let's not get distracted from the fact that this has been a disastrous season for the Canucks. What a jerk. Based on how the expectations were to start the season and where they are right now, um, we're gonna have IMAC on the show later to uh, later in the show at eight o'clock. And this is not to uh, rip on an IMAC or anything, but like he wrote a column after the Canucks lost to the Bruins on Saturday, and it was essentially Saturday's game against the Boston Bruins was a moral victory. Right. Even though they lost the game at home and the Bruins goalie scored on them. You were there but, to see it. I was, but we'll get to that in a bit. And the story was how, you know, the Canucks, they, they played with structure. And, and I, I realized they were undermanned, but we're doing moral victories again? Yes. Like, like that, that's kind of where, where I was. I understand. We're, I understand. We're, we're doing moral victories here? You know we are. So let's not get distracted and let's not act like, oh my God, there's JT Miller trade rumors or there's Thatcher Demko trade rumors because there were over over the weekend as well. There was, Demko's name was out there in social media from reporters like Andy Strickland You're in, s- in St. Louis. So mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is like, let's not get distracted by the fact that this is a bad team that the management has said needs major surgery. So don't be surprised if these names are out there yes. like JT Miller and Thatcher Demko because this season has been 
awful. This is still, even though there's been some news lately and the Canucks have had some, some you know, impressive comebacks and Kuzmenko has been playing well and Seelovs has been playing well, let's not get distracted from the fact that this team needs to still make significant, significant changes. Right. You're saying don't have any positivity. Be mired. In the negativity. No, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying be <laughs> mired in the reality everyone's, of how everyone's nodding. How like, That's disappointing what he said. <laughs> this season has been. Like, I, I, I can actually like we we injured J T. Miller to distract you. We're, yeah. we're <laughs> doing moral victories again. We're we're this is it. This is moral victories against Boston. They scored no. one goal against Boston. Okay, to be as I'll just do this just for the sake of doing it. You know that Tockett is got these guys basically in training camp mode. And they're not going to win a lot of games. And he's not going to pile on them afterwards for not winning games. No, I'm not blaming Tockett. I, I'm but that's saying, where the I, genesis of no, no, a lot I'm of not, stuff I'm comes from. He's like, we, he's like, but, we played well tonight. I'm proud of the guys. They lost 3-1 to Boston. But, right? I get it. But the fact the Bruins that... Bruins goalie scored as many goals as the Canucks did on Saturday. Yeah, like that's bad. But, but the fact that he has to do a mini training camp in, in, in the middle of the season because the team was so lost. Mm-hmm. It was so adrift. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I have, like we, have we even played the What Happened music? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we're good. Where have you been? Yeah. We're no, we're good. Okay. So no, we so well, let's we, we let's start it with literally what just happened. Let's okay. go back to Saturday, Boston Bruins in town. It's funny because the goalie goal just completely dominated the narrative in the aftermath. Anything that happened in that game became secondary when Linus Allmark scored the fourteenth goalie goal, and that's an actual goalie goal, folks. Because there's been a couple where the goalie's the last one to touch the puck, and it goes in. This was a full-on shot on net. Now, you were at the Bruins game on Saturday. Did you actually get video of it, or did you just take no, pictures of the app? I'm, I'm not videoing the game that would like have been some amazing. tourist. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look. Um, hey, look. So my view was actually right behind the Canucks net where the goal went into, slightly in the corner, uh, but lower bowl. Um, I think I was like row 10, so I was, I was really close to the goal. So That's here was my view. Uh, the Canucks coming up the ice, they stalled a little bit, and then they had to regroup. And then <laughs> I think it was Hughes passed it up to Besser, and Besser tipped it into the blue line, and nobody was going with momentum, yeah, that's right? Problem. Because they'd been stalled. They had to regroup, and it was frankly uh, not exactly a heads-up tip-in by Brock Besser. And then Olmark got the puck, and, and I was sitting – there were a lot of Bruins fans there. I don't know if it came across on TV, but there were a lot of Bruins fans. There were a lot of Bruins fans in my section. And then there was a buzz as soon as Allmark got it. And it was kind of like, you know, you, you could hear like, like he's going to shoot. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was like, I, oh, my God, I think he is. And then he fired the shot and it was a high shot. And from my, my vantage point in the corner, I couldn't really tell if it was going in or not. But my head was like. This would be appropriate if it went in the net, yep. and then it just went right in. And the coach it was is like Zigoli. It was it was a scene, but because because overall the game um, was it was it was it was somewhat non-eventfully. Like yeah, you had Brad Marchand scoring on the Canucks, and that was that was a really nice goal. Um, and then the Canucks did kind of make it interesting in the third, but it, it, it was it was not it was not a ten out of ten game. No, but <laughs> ten out of ten goalie shot though. No, no, no. But when that when that goal went in, it was like, well, 
I've never seen that before in arena. Now I have. And I was I was with a with my buddy who was like, you know what? I was at the game where Nabokov scored on them too. <laughs> so he's seen it's two him. of these in person, and the Canucks are actually the only team in NHL history to allow two goalie goals where the goalie intentionally shot it. Like there were a few. Did we think, get a banner for that too? I, yeah. <laughs> I think New Jersey has allowed two, but it, they were just credited to right. the goalie. Right. And they're right. still plus one on goalie goals. <laughs> Okay, first franchise off, history. First off, I want to hear the call Porter's from got three. Who? What? Oh, the Devils. The, the Devils, Devils are yeah, still yeah, plus yeah, one. Yeah, 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 but the Canucks uh, are not. I want. I want. I want to play the call from our end because Jack Edwards's play, call obviously is the Boston uh, announcer is getting a lot. But I thought Shorty and Cheech did a really good job of it, including Cheech going with the uh, the Phil Esposito interruption mid call, which is great. So this is what it sounded like on Sportsnet when Linus Allmark scored against the Canucks on Saturday night. Besser tips. Oh, here we go. For the empty net, he scores! Linus Omar, the Boston goalie, had time, had a lane, and he's being mobbed by his teammates after one of the rare occurrences in the sport of hockey. Well, there it is, Omar, after that puck is tipped in, and celebrating with the rest of his team. The first to do it since Pekka Rinne in 2019-20. So one of the reasons why Rick Tocca, the head coach, was proud of his uh, Vancouver Canucks was that they played most of that game without Ethan Bear, who it looked like he took a puck in the face uh, early in the game. There was blood all over the ice. They had to bring the scrapers out, which was uh, disappointing to see and unfortunate to see. Um, they won't have him for tonight's game in Dallas. Uh, Noah Juleson has been called up. So this was an undermanned Canucks group, especially on the back end uh, with some of the guys they were already missing and the fact that Luke Shen is still sitting out. Uh, also of note from Saturday's game, Demko did not back up. Colin D- uh, was it Colin Delia was, was the backup. So... Um, mm-hmm. Demko may need one more practice before he um, he backs up. The Canucks had a travel day Sunday, so they didn't practice. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to see Thatcher Demko. First of all, as a backup, but also as a as a starter, or maybe he'll um, just stay scratched for the next little bit. Who's to say? But yeah, maybe I don't know. The Canucks traded practically nothing for Vitaly Kravtsov. With no offense to Will Lockwood, who is a professional hockey player, but He's a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, to me, he hasn't looked like an NHL player. Uh, I know a lot of people were uh, hoping that he would come in and maybe replace some of what Tyler Mott provided. Um, there were times where he had flashes of energy, um, but I, I, I don't know. You just watch him play. You're kind of like, nah, I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen for Will Lockwood. Um, he's, he's not super young anymore. He's, he's not really a prospect anymore. He's, he's a professional player right now. Professional um, hockey player, Will Lockwood. And maybe was unlikely to re-sign with the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe he's going to go pursue something else. Um, seventh round draft pick also went to the Rangers, but a seventh round draft pick in like 2026. Did so you know that was legal? It, it, that you it really, that, that late, that long away? It really was practically nothing for Vitaly Kravtsov. So um, people were mad at me over the weekend on Twitter. That's the important thing is we make it about you. Can you just be quiet (laughs) for five seconds? 
People were mad at me over the weekend because I tweeted out something from uh, Larry Brooks, who is a very established beat writer for the Rangers, and even though he had the occasional fight with John Tortorella, is a very credible reporter, and who I'm sure talks to the Rangers head coaches and the Rangers management on an almost daily basis. Um, you know, he tweeted out, uh, or I tweeted out something from from an article that he wrote about Kravtsov, and it was just like a pretty negative scouting report. And it was like the ta- here's what it was: it was like the talented and personable Russian plays on the outside. He's done, he does not win enough of the 50-50s. He does not go to the net. His 200-foot game, both with and without the puck, remains suspect. He has not been able to carve out a role as a difference maker, even for a night or two. His contributions diminished through a run of 17 straight games that ended late last month. This is just the reality of the situation with a guy that was a very high first-round draft pick not too long ago, has bounced between the NHL, the AHL for a bit, the KHL. He's refused to go to the AHL. He's requested a trade. Anyone expecting a solid scouting report about this guy, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, You were merely providing one side of the the, the, the trade. I think Vancouver landing crafts off. Vancouver is maybe the best possible destination for this guy if he is going to turn things around for a number of reasons. Number one, they can give him ice time. They can give him the opportunity. Look at the New York Rangers. They are in win-now mode. They're probably going to get the New Jersey Devils in the first round of the playoffs. They're not in development mode right now. Vancouver is with a number of its players. There are also a bunch of Russians here in Vancouver on the team, and we'll talk to Dan Milstein, uh, Kravtsov's agent, agent about that and and how much that matters. But all I'm saying is, like, there is a reason the Canucks got this guy for practically nothing. Sure. If the trade wouldn't have happened, he probably would have been on waivers. There's nothing wrong with what you put out there. Oh, a lot of people felt, they're like, can't we just enjoy this trade? I'm like, yeah, you can enjoy the trade with the knowledge of what his stock right. level was at that, with that, the New York Rangers. That's just a Twitter thing where people, what is he inferring? What is Jason inferring? Why is he always so negative? And then it goes from there. Like, I again... I think it is very much worth pointing out that the Rangers, as if you believe the reports to be true, were originally trying to get a Hoaglander for Kravtsov trade. Mm-hmm. And then, the as the understanding goes, that the Canucks held firm. And when it came down to the fact that they had to move Kravtsov essentially so they could get the Patrick Kane deal done, right. the Canucks were able to pounce. There were some people that were saying that should be the takeaway from the trade. And I don't deny that. But it's a much more multifaceted one than that, including the fact that as you pointed out, you're getting a sort of flawed prospect in the door. And for me, that goes back to, here we go again. It's other people's rejects that you're trying to bring along and hope that they're reclamation projects. There's nothing wrong with There's that. There's nothing wrong with it, but, you know, and, and you can say, like, oh, it's worth the gamble, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll, all I'm saying is I, I'm kind of getting t- I'm kind of getting tired of the reclamation projects. That's fine. That's, I am. You're, I am. You're allowed. Uh, you're allowed we, to do we've that. We've just seen them. We've seen so many come through the door. Maybe this guy will be the guy. Maybe he will be. I'm not saying it was a bad gamble. I think with me, um, and, and listen, if you want to blame me for being grouchy, fine. I am grouchy. I've been covering this team for a number of years now, and it's like it's this. It's the same sort of thing. It's of, done things to you. It, it has. <laughs> it it honestly it honestly has. Like it's the same thing with me getting frustrated with. Are we in moral victories again? Are we tanking again? 
Is it is it like a, we're we're talking about the tank again? We're going to be excited for the draft lottery again. We're going to bring in another uh, failed first round draft pick. This is where we're at with the team. Okay, the, the embrace. I'll keep coming to work and I'll keep coming. I'll keep making jokes and you know I'm not always going to be in a bad mood. But I'm just I'm just a little bit frustrated that we're we're still here. That's all. Remember when you tried to embrace absurdism, and you were going to like eh, this is just the nature of life as a Canucks fan, and then that didn't last very long. It didn't last it very long. Didn't last this is just too absurd. Yeah, yeah. I can't deal with this. Um, okay, we're right up against it for time. We're going to take a quick trip to Nashville. No team, I don't think, had a more profoundly altering weekend than the Nash- <clears throat> excuse me than the Nashville Predators, who started the fire sale, got rid of their general manager David Poyle's retiring, and then Barry Trotz is coming in, returning to Nashville, but now. As the general manager, it was a pretty wild time there. And they're not even done selling yet, potentially. They've got some guys that might be held out of the lineup uh, as a healthy scratch for trade-related purposes, including Dante Fabro, whose name was surfacing in trade uh, trade rumblings over the weekend as well. So it was a big weekend in Nashville. Uh, we're going to talk to Max Hers, who does the pre-, post-, and intermission shows for uh, Nashville Predators Radio. That's coming up next. We've got a ton of hockey stuff and a ton of Canucks stuff throughout the next couple hours. It is silly season. It is trade season. And we are excited to be here. Stick around, won't you? It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trying to make the steal. Shoot! Save me! Rebound! Score! 6.31 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It's tough to almost steal the news cycle during trade deadline week because there's so much stuff happening across the league. Teams are in, teams are out, buyers, sellers, guys getting healthy scratched, although for injury reasons. And then Nashville steps up to the plate over the weekend and just continues to make move after move after move. In case you missed it, a couple of trades, uh, they sent Nito Niederreier to Winnipeg. They got about, I don't know, 13 draft picks in return for Tanner Janot in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Just a huge haul. And then, oh, by the way, in the middle of all of this, they announced that the only general manager they've ever had, David Poyle, is stepping down. He's being replaced by Barry Trotz, who isn't returning to coaching. He's returning to the NHL as a general manager. There was a lot to digest. Yeah, that's quite a, quite a lot for that a team. A big weekend. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if we had all that news to chew on this morning? Anyway. They, they acquired Isaac Ratcliffe from and the don't Flyers. don't forget about Isaac Ratcliffe. Future considerations. That was a big one. That's right. They did everything this weekend. So to br- help us break it all down, we are joined now uh, by the National Predators uh, Radio pre-post and intermission host, Max Hers here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Max. How are you? Morning, guys. Yeah, what a day it was yesterday. Uh, pretty nuts with a game right in the middle that I was calling in a 5,000-seat arena out in Arizona. So a whole lot of moving parts and a crazy day and, and an emotional day across, really an emotional day and a half across the board for the players, coaches, and everybody with the group. But through all of that, uh, they won the game. And as you guys said, I think, 
pretty much everything they've done, especially the two announcements yesterday with the change of general manager and the Janot trade to Tampa. I think they're being received really well, and uh, I, I agree with the reception. What about the move, David Poyle stepping down and retiring after being the only general manager in franchise history? And then the news that Barry Trotz is coming back, but now to serve as the architect of this team. How was that news received? I think it's something that a lot of people here really hoped would happen in the exact way that it's happening. And to be honest with you, I think the only complaint from some Preds fans is that they wanted it to happen sooner. And it couldn't really have happened much sooner since Barry was still coaching last year. But uh, I, I think it's the right time to announce it. I think it's the right time to do it. And I think the part of it that is most important is that Barry Trotz has already been advising David Poyle leading up to the deadline. So who knows exactly how much input that means he's had on the two trades that have already happened and anything else that'll happen this week. But it was made explicitly clear in the announcement that Barry Trotz will be in the Predators draft room in the final week before he takes over as GM this June when the Predators host the draft. And I think he's had input on what's happened this week as well. We don't know that for sure. And I think we'll find that out today when they have a press conference together at 11 a.m. Central time in a couple of hours here. But I think they're doing this the right way. It's staying in the family. They are hiring, first and foremost, a beloved person in Nashville who has basically a personal relationship with every day one fan, which you can't put a price on, but also is obviously – an incredibly highly coveted hockey person at the moment who it sounds like tons of franchises along the way this year, as they've struggled, wanted him to become their coach. And there may even have been serious offers made, but Barry has been in Nashville back living here most of the time this season, it sounds like. And we were kind of hearing throughout, he may not want to be a coach again. And a lot of people said, well, would he want to be the predators coach again? And I think I, I think we found the perfect thing for him to get back into hockey with. And we're, we're all excited to see how it plays out for a lot of reasons. But it's it'll be cool to see a great coach take a shot at being an executive. I can't wait to see how it, it, it plays out. And I wonder if that could lead to more coaches going into management. Is there any concern that Barry Trotz doesn't have experience in management? I don't think so just because, and we'll know this for sure by the end of the summer, but the way they have it structured, I imagine at least to begin with, most, if not all, of the front office that is in place right now will stay in place. And all three of the assistant general managers have connections to Barry Trotz. They're kind of veterans in the organization, including David Poyle's son, Brian, who's one of the three assistant GMs. I don't think there will be a ton of change at the top, at least right at the beginning. So I think I, I think it's different from a situation where you could worry about that because I think most of the rest of the crew will stay around, especially on the scouting, drafting, and developing side, which is what the Predators are best at. And with all these draft picks they're raking in, that is going to be 
the part of the organization that has the most immediate fingerprints on the future. And, and that includes a, a good group of junior players that have been drafted the last few years in the first and second rounds. Do you think there could be more significant roster moves with this team? I, I'm just wondering how how they see this team and, 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 and what it needs to be successful in the long term. Because this season, I don't think people are going to forget, has been pretty disappointing for the Preds. Yeah, and I think there certainly will be more. I think the inclusion of Cal Foote in the trade from the Lightning for Janot last night means that Dante Fabro is definitely being talked about with other teams, which is unsurprising. Vancouver native, Coquitlam native. And uh, he, he's just kind of been floated around quite a bit because the way the money works, they're going to have to decide whether to keep either he or Alex Carrier, both young right-handed defensemen starting next season who are both RFAs. And Carrier has been the much better of the two, not just this season, but last season as well as those two guys have established themselves as full-time NHLers. So I think both younger pieces like Fabro could be moved, and I think they would certainly listen on Matthias Ekholm, who is talked about every year now, it seems like. And maybe if a team has a way to take a contract or the Predators can retain salary, Mikhail Granlund as well. Um, I, I don't think Matthew Shane's contract is movable, but if teams wanted him, I think the Predators would definitely be willing to talk. But that is a long contract with a lot of term and a lot of AAV on it. So that would be tough. And then, I mean, may, maybe there are other bits and pieces along the way. I, occasionally, we've seen insiders say that teams would be interested in McDonough. I would love to see the Preds keep Ryan McDonough for obvious reasons. They they brought him in this year. He's been amazing paired with Roman Yossi. He's been great the second half of the season. Uh, he he would be a piece that I would love to see wearing a letter on the team for the rest of his career. So, but uh, I, as colleague Jeff Merrick reported, the, the Preds became open for business over the weekend. And he said the only people who he thinks are untouchable are Soros, Yossi and Forsberg. And, uh, if if you had asked me to guess on what that report would have been before it came out, I, I would have said the same thing. I guess it's worth noting that the Preds are still only six points out of the playoffs with a couple, yeah. couple games in hand. <laughs> so it's a very interesting time to follow the team. And Max, I know you got a busy day. I know that Poyle and Trotz are going to meet with the media later. So uh, enjoy that. It's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks and especially leading up to Friday. And thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Cool times in Nashville. And uh, best of luck with everything moving forward. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. I'll be in Vancouver with the team next week on our transcontinental road trip. So I'll try and track you down. Sounds good. Thanks, Max. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's Max Hers, the pre, post, and intermission reporter for the Nashville Predators Radio. One of 2.5, the game. We need a cool name like that. The game yeah. in Nashville. We cover Smash. What do they call them? Smash? Smashville. Smashville. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, Mike Heike is going to join us at 7 o'clock. He covers the Dallas Stars. The Canucks are in Dallas to play the Stars. And then at 7.30, we got Dan Milstein, um, who is a very um, popular agent <laughs> with the Vancouver Canucks. He's got a few clients already with the Canucks, and now he's got a new one in Vitaly Kravtsov. So um, I, I was reading an article in The Athletic, and it was an older article because I DM'd Arthur Staple, when this Kravtsov trade 
went down, and okay. he's, a, he's a beat writer. They used to cover the Islanders, and now he's the Rangers beat writer. And in October of 2021, so this is, you know, a year and a half ago, he wrote an article called Inside the Rangers Vitaly Kravtsov Divorce, Why They Can't Make It Work, and what comes next? So they didn't ultimately get divorced right after this article was written, but they were in marriage counseling. They were talking to people. Uh, they were wondering how they were going to split up the assets and everything. Crafts off was sleeping on the couch. Who was going to get the cats? And they were trying to figure out how to proceed. So why did this all go so badly for Kravtsov? with the Rangers. Um, he was the ninth pick in the 2018 draft. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this article to give you an idea of how bad it got for Kravtsov with the Rangers. Um, starts out like this. According to multiple league sources, the friction between Kravtsov and Chris Drury dates back to October of 2019. Kravtsov didn't make the Rangers out of camp as a 19-year-old, and he didn't enjoy his first stay in AHL Hartford. He exercised the out clause in his contract to return to the KHL, where he'd played the prior two seasons. Sources say that when Kravtsov went to retrieve his gear and say his goodbyes to Wolfpack teammates and staff, Drury told Kravtsov that he'd quit on the team. So that was the first instance of the kind of butting of heads between Kravtsov and Chris Drury, mm -hmm. who I think was the assistant GM at that point in charge of AHL Hartford. And now of course is the GM. That's right. He was the, of the New York Rangers. He was the chief Lieutenant of Jeff Gorton. Back in the right. Day. He was kind of like, well, like Ryan Johnson is in, in charge. He's yeah. an assistant general manager, but he's in charge of AHL Abbotsford. Yep. So this kind of went on for a while. And, you know, Kravtsov ultimately refused to go to the AHL. And I kind of asked around a few people about, like, was that a money thing? Because he felt, well, if I'm if I'm going to be in a different league that's not the NHL, I can just go to the KHL and make a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was. I, I think it was like he just felt he was too good to be in the AHL. And when you've got this option to return to the KHL and you're comfortable over there and you like it, we, we saw that play out with Nikita Trampkin. I think Triamkin wasn't going to go to the AHL. Mm -hmm. He was just like, all right, nope, nope. And then it got to the point this year where Kravtsov was no longer waivers uh, exempt. Yep. So he was just kind of stuck on the Rangers. Uh, I remember reading about a week ago, uh, Jared Gallant addressed it. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was now once again being a healthy scratch. This is Kravtsov. And he said, look, he's a top nine guy. No question. His skill set and the way that he plays, we don't have a spot for him in our top nine. Now, you could take that one of two ways. Well, it's okay. They're a pretty deep team. Or you could look at the Rangers forward group and say, you couldn't beat one of these guys out for a spot with regularity. Like, you're the ninth overall pick in your draft yeah. class. There's great things expected. When it comes to what we were talking about earlier, the reclamation project thing, and we've seen it before, and yeah, it's a new regime, and yeah, you know, it might be a different guy orchestrating the plan but it's still the same plan i understand like for example one of the more notable and i say notable only because a lot of people remember it 
reclamation efforts of the previous regime was Derek Pouliot. The Canucks needed to figure out their defense, and they were going to take a flyer on a guy who was a top 10 pick in his draft class and came out with so much promise, and it just never really panned out in Pittsburgh. And It was going to be a change of scenery, and he was going to be you know, back on the West Coast, if that mattered at all, because he had played in the dub, and it was going to be this thing where maybe they could salvage something from nothing. Interestingly enough, they got Pouliot, and I'm just using him as an example, but they got him five years after he was drafted. The exact same amount of time that they're getting craps off after he got drafted from New York. Mm-hmm. So you've had five years since being selected to grow as a player. Yeah. The only difference, only difference between the two, two really, is that Pouliot played close to 80 games over like three years with Pittsburgh, and everyone was like, I don't know if he has it. The thing with Kravtsov is he's bounced around so much, you really have no idea exactly what he is. Like, I've read enough reports now where they're like, we think he can be something, but we also think he might not be, but we just haven't seen him play. He's also got the option to return to the KHL after this season. This could be a very short stint with the Canucks if it doesn't go well. And one of the questions we're going to ask Dan Milstein coming up at 730 is, like, what's your your plan now? Yeah, Um, He's a pending restricted free agent, but when you have the KHL option, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's different. That's just a free agent. He can go back to the KHL. Um, so I think these next, well, how many games do the Canucks have left? 23 or something like yep. that? Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to give them a good look, obviously. Yeah. And part of it will be, do the Canucks believe in this guy? Do the Canucks believe that they can make something of him? And I'm sure Rick Tockett's input is going to be important in that regard, and but also part of it is going to be is Kraftsoff willing to make the commitment to the Vancouver Canucks and do the things that they are telling him to do in order to get better. Okay, so I just want Jay and Delta writes in a question. I want to ask? That's fair. Why did they feel the need to add in in all caps? He writes another winger. Jay and Delta. The answer is this: because everything is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. If your name is not Pedersen or Hughes. I'm not even throwing Demko in there anymore. Pedersen and Hughes, then your job and your spot is up for grabs. You may be moved. You may be, whatever the case may be, buyouts, trades, demotions, whatever happens from now until next season. Yeah. Major surgery is exactly that, major surgery. Yeah. They're still going to need, you know, like eight wingers next yeah. season. Someone's <laughs> got to play them. just remains to be seen who they are. Like Brock Besser probably won't be back. Connor Garland, chance he's not back. Like They're still going to need these wingers. Yep. Um, this is a very, very low-risk bet by the Canucks. And in a vacuum, it's a good bet. You bring in this guy to a different environment um, with a management group that he hasn't butted heads with yet. He hasn't had big arguments with. No one on the Canucks has told him that he's quit on them. Not yet. Uh, not yet. Um, there are some Russian players on the team, which I'm sure he'll appreciate. And we'll see. Uh, my frustration earlier really just stemmed from this lone fact that we're still doing this. Sure. That the Canucks are still the team that takes on the reclamation projects because they're trying to retool on the fly. They're, you know, they, they, it's it's just a frustration with still being. It it feels like Groundhog Day, right? We're tanking again. Uh, we've got moral victories, and we're taking on the the players that can't make playoff lineups. Mm-hmm. So maybe with the Canucks. He'll find a spot. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, texts in. 
It feels like Alvin and Jim Rutherford have lots of confidence in their player development given their history with Pittsburgh and their AHL team. Makes them feel like they can do better with players than other teams. Hopefully it isn't overconfidence like Jim Benning's confidence in his drafting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Hopefully it isn't overconfidence. Hopefully the hopefully the, the this new management group can develop players better because if you're looking at the Canucks draft over the last little bit, they just haven't found enough players in the later rounds. Well, not ones, okay. not ones that they haven't traded away. That's a least. good point because I think the important thing to remember here is that what they did in Pittsburgh with developing players, uh, it wasn't reclamation projects, folks. They were finding low-round guys, undrafted guys, misfit toys, mm-hmm. the Brian Rusts of the world. Yeah. You know, not guys that came out and were the like top 10 picks in their draft class. They found guys like, I'll go there. They found guys that were hungry. They wanted to be NHL players, and they were more than willing to listen to everything. Now, again, um, there's two sides to that coin, the hungry guys and the entitled guys. And I'm not calling crafts off either, but some people are going to look at what happened in New York, and they're going to say, that's a player that's entitled. And another person's going to look at that and say, that's a guy who was kind of getting screwed over and wasn't in a good situation and wanted to take control of his career. Mm-hmm. Both can be true. Both can absolutely be true. The question, though, isn't really about the past. It's what's he going to do now that he got the opportunity he wanted? Because I'll tell you what, if you're looking for a place to get minutes, there's no better place than Vancouver right now. Yeah. Every, I mean, guys are getting shut down left and right. If you're, I mean, God, if you're playing defense in the American League, you have to be eyeing the Canucks as like, there's a place where I might end up. What do you think happened with Luke Shen? What do you think, what do you think happened that they sent him back from Nashville and that's now a few games ago, and he still hasn't been traded. Is it uh, possible? Is it possible that the Washington Capitals entering the the sell phase? Because remember, they went on that big losing streak. Ovi lost his father and went back to went back to Russia um, for family reasons. And the Capitals have really been in a bad way mm-hmm. since before then. But that kind of made them sellers, and yep. then the Bruins got. Orlov from them in a trade. And a lot of people were like, oh, that really screwed Columbus because Columbus thought they had a deal to send Gavrikov there. Do you think the Canucks might have had a deal with Boston as well? Because that was that was a – like, did that change everything for the Luke Shen situation? Do I I think Don Sweeney was – you know, making deals behind everybody's back. He had like three of them in pocket with Slow all these playing teams. other teams. Yeah, but then, and- but no, it might have been just like, hey, we're gonna wait because there might be something else that that presents itself, and then it did. It could be like, I never promised to make a trade with you. Could have been one of those. I think that's kind of what happened. Um, this is you know, this is actually how the trade deadline often plays out. The only new wrinkle, especially this deadline is teams have taken that extra step to hold guys out. Mm. In the old NHL, which was probably like, what, pre-pandemic, uh, before it became okay, you did not play guys all the time. There was this unspoken code that guys just played, even though it made no sense. So sending Shen home, even if you've got the inkling of a trade in mm-hmm. the hopper, yeah, you kind of look at it and you're like, wait a minute, what's the upside to playing this gentleman? And there's not, really. I mean, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, 
There's no point to trading him. Sorry, there's no point to playing him right now. Just send him home. Now, everything is exacerbated in the Shen situation because of the pending birth of his next child mm, and, yeah. you know, all that. But, I mean, I don't think it's any different than Gavrikov or Chikrin where there's teams at the bottom of the standings that have nothing to gain by playing him. Hey, you want to get to something? Yeah, here's Luke Shen talking uh, a couple days ago at practice about the situation that he's in. Yeah, it's obviously really difficult. I mean, it's uh, it's not a situation coming into the year that you really anticipate being in, but we're here, and there's been a, you know, I don't I don't know, different scenarios throughout my career, and different sorts of adversity or uh, things that I've had to overcome. So this is just uh, another one of those things that you look back in your career and and uh, you know see how it's, sometimes not what happens is how you handle it. So I think that's try to one thing I try to focus on and. Like I said earlier, it's uh, this is totally out of my hands, out of my control, and other people are making decisions, so we'll just kind of see how it plays out. So Luke Shen still hasn't been traded. Brock Besser still hasn't been traded. Uh, over the weekend, there were all sorts of trade rumors on Twitter. Uh, Andy Strickland uh, out of St. Louis talking about how Thatcher Demko might welcome a trade out of Vancouver, even though Thatcher Demko has publicly rejected mm-hmm. that notion and said that's a media thing. That's not a that that's not a me thing. Uh, and of course, most recently, something we addressed earlier in the show, uh, JT Miller may not play tonight. Now, Rick Dollywall is saying that he's got a minor injury, but over the weekend, Shayna Goldman of the Athletic said that JT Miller's name is out there in trade talks. So, <laughs> welcome to trade deadline week, everyone. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. We'll see how it all shakes out in the end. Will the Canucks make a major trade? Will they make a minor trade? Mike Heike is going to join us next to preview tonight's uh, opponent, the Dallas Stars. At 7.30, we got Dan Milstein, the agent for Kravtsov and a couple of other Canucks. We'll talk to him about the st- about what Kravtsov expects in, in Vancouver, what he's looking for, and the possibility that he re-signs with the Vancouver Canucks because the option for him to go back to the KHL is still there. Uh, iMac will join us at 8 o'clock for everything Canucks. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.